The Ensemble Advice South Africa podcast is intended for professional financial advisors. All discussion is limited to publicly available information and should not be interpreted as legal, professional or financial advice. Ensemble Advice is not a licensed financial services provider and does not provide financial services. Before making investment decisions, you should obtain financial advice from a qualified financial advisor. I'm Louis van der Merwe, Certified Financial Planner. Join me every week where I get to have discussions with global leaders in the financial planning space to help you serve your clients better and run a more efficient financial planning practice. This is Financial Planners South Africa podcast. Portfolio Metrics is thrilled to bring you this podcast in support of our common passion for people and the evolution of wealth management. Our global business links precision investment management to expert financial advice through partnerships and technology. Portfolio Metrics is an authorized financial services provider. Comspace is a revenue management solution developed specifically for independent financial advisors. It is a web-based application that tracks, allocates, and manages advisor revenue. The system seamlessly reads commission statements from financial institutions and can address any permutation of commission splits. Comspace provides mind-blowing, out-the-box revenue business intelligence and analytics, along with super-flexible reporting to effectively manage and grow your business. Welcome to another episode of Ensemble Advice. Today in the studio, I have with me Clayton Daniel, the CEO of Ensemble. I've had to add that this is the South African version. So if you're listening in Australia, because you saw Clayton being on this show as a guest, <laughs> welcome. <laughs> it's a slightly different accent, um, but we're still people in the same profession. Clayton Daniel, thanks so much for being here. Mate, thank you very much for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be here. You've built an amazing tech business. And today I want to have that journey around where it started, what the struggles have been, what the upside has been. Like, why are we doing this? Like, why are you getting, like, what's the cake behind this? But give me that backstory. I know you have a musical background. And somehow when I speak to most of my guests, somewhere they did some gigs at some point. They like were part of a garage band or they have this creative streak. Um, I think yeah. you're not an exception. So, so tell <laughs> me that story. Um, so I, I, I grew up being able to sing. Um, uh, I don't know why. I just was a good singer. So from a very young age, um, I was always the, the guy with the microphone standing at the front of the choir, like as a bunch of kids, right? Um, maybe, t- you know, from 10 years old onwards. Uh, and, and I don't know why I could sing, but I there was just an in, in, innate talent that I had. Um, and then a couple of my best mates kicked off a band when we were about 15 or 16. And by that time, there was no more um, uh, choirs at school, right? Because we're all too old and too cool to do that kind of thing. But they said to me, do you remember back in the day you used to be able to sing? Do you want to come and do that for this punk rock uh, band that was started? And at, so at 16, I started you know, just playing in the garage. So 16 to 18 throughout uh, high school, we then decided that we were 100% going to be rock stars. And so we all went off and studied music uh, management for a year together collectively. 
and uh, and then spent the next three years, two years after that. So it's, uh, the first three years outside of high school, where my f- my full time focus was music, and um, and so yeah, we we played a lot, we recorded a lot, and it was a great time, and I learned a hell of a lot. It was, it was fantastic, Clayton. What surprised me there is that you said we actually went to go and study the management behind it. Like it's it's yeah. almost like you approach this with a business sense first. Like what went into that thinking? I think what it was was we came from a small town and and naturally so no one from uh, a big city would ever um, think for one second that they could actually spend their life pursuing a career to be a rock star. So we come from a small town and we just assumed that there was an element that we needed to and get our heads around it in order to make it happen. And as a part of the course, you know, we learned sound engineering and um, and, and many different factors or, or facets um, of music. And yeah, I mean, it was a, a, a really good base and it, it sort of solidified our collective decision to go and do this together. Um, and yeah, we really pursued it. I mean, that was my main gig for the first few years at high school, yeah. Like laying the foundation, doing the prep work. We, we are you happy that that's the approach that you guys took? I can look back in hindsight and say um, the the management, if that's the right word for it, the management that I learnt from how horrible I was at it in my early days has helped so much later in life. So I I take a lot of the mistakes that I made, it being you know eighteen to twenty one. Uh, it, because at, sort of, I was the band manager and I made a lot of mistakes and I use those learnings massively still to this day, much more than, you know, holding a microphone. Uh, I, I use, I use the management, uh, lessons for sure. Yeah. It's those skills that can, you know, translate into essentially any industry, be it financial advice, be it building a tech business. What's, the, what was the name of the band and can we still find any songs floating around on the internet? Oh, that's a great question. Sorry, Louie, you're cutting out. Um, I can't hear you anymore. Um, uh, so Clayton, I'll skip that was... question. <laughs> <laughs> we'll add a link somewhere in this. No, 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 no. I, uh, I decided a long time ago that when, when I retired from music, I'd retire ever mentioning the name of the band as well. Uh, you know, because we sort of, you can find it and I don't want to be found. <laughs> we'll respect that one day when you're on the Forbes 100 list someone's yeah. going to come up with it hey look at Clayton <laughs> oh Back god I not <laughs> talking about that list like what what's your drive behind creating a tech business like what what is this for it comes down to um, I love financial planning so coming from a small town again um, and then being largely I would call it irresponsible with my career choices early on in life it was all linked back to the fact that I didn't understand how the world worked, really. It's probably the best sort of summary for it. And as I went through university, and this was basically directly after I completed playing music in the band. So at 22 years of age, I'd go to university and study accounting, come out as an accountant, very quickly move across into financial planning. And then after a couple of years, launch my own financial planning company at age 30. And... um and what I learned as a financial planner actually taught me how the world worked. It's probably the best way to kind of explain it. And the I wish that 
the skills that a, a financial planner has. I wish I had had financial planning like that when I was young and that and and I sort of look at my community that I grew up around and I think financial planning would be so useful for them as well. And so I became a huge fan of financial planning. And I also realized there was a major, how do I articulate this? Other professions are well established in the sense that the professionals within the profession own and dictate the profession. And that's just the nature of being around for a long time. And and I found that, you know, and, and this is going back a decade, goodness, uh, when I launched my financial planning business, um, and it became pretty clear that there were that financial planners weren't in charge of the financial planning profession, and um, and so I was trying to become better at financial planning, and I found that there were roadblocks in the way of me obtaining that. Call it the acceleration of the 10,000 hours to mastery, right? Like there were, there were, I was struggling to rapidly scale the hurdles of becoming a great financial planner. And I didn't think that that made sense. And so we, we launched Ensemble, which was XY advisor at the time, basically to get around that problem. <laughs> and from there, other advisors joined, um, I guess, the desire to pursue a, a, a more rapid or direct pathway to professionalism. And then just being the nature of, I would say, um, the world in which it is right now, which is very tech focused and, and, and virtually enabled, it just made sense for this thing, which had been created due to traction, really, rather than anyone's grand plan. And it, it had sort of made sense to go down the tech path. And so, yeah, all these later, all these years later, we're we're a tech company, but we're only doing it because of where the where it started. Wow, Clayton, I get this feeling that you were frustrated. You know, the frustrated with where financial planning was was being done, and also how your career could progress. I want to go back to something you mentioned there. You know, figuring out how the world works, and and for people that might be studying financial planning or thinking about entering this profession as, you know, as their permanent career. What do you think those areas are that you could figure out how the world works? Like, what do you mean by that? Please unpack that a bit for me. Yeah, I, I think financial planners are really, really uniquely positioned because they own the bridge. And I, I, when I say own, I mean, no one else owns this. We own the bridge between rational and emotional. We, there is no conduit like a financial planner to put mathematics and psychology together. And that, that extraordinarily unique position, I mean, from a financial planner's point of view, what an amazing career. What, a, what, what, what like an enjoyable use of your time. You know, if, if you think about like the outcome of your work is individuals that you build a relationship with that are living a better life. Like, I mean, not only is it enjoyable as a, as as the person uh, pursuing that career path, but it's it, the the rewards, both emotional, as I just described, and monetarily, are the the the, the scales in terms of the best use of your time. If you're someone that's good with numbers and people, now every financial planner will have 
will have will lean to one side, right? Like some financial planners are better with people than math, and some financial planners are better with math than people. But the the goal is whatever I guess deficiency that you have, you can build up, right? And so and so uh, to me, I learnt I learnt how people work. I learned how I work and I learned how the world works by um by getting good at financial planning. And and I guess I've never articulated it like that before, but it does ring true to how I feel about it. I love what you just said, that financial planning is the bridge between rational and emotional. And for people that enjoy helping someone else, which is what I see over and over and again, financial planners most of them just love helping people. This is probably one of the most satisfying careers that you could ever pursue. Yeah, agreed. What then happened? Why did you leave financial planning? Was there something more lucrative or no? It, it, was it, it just it, attraction, it, like you mentioned? Yeah, it's quite funny. It definitely wasn't a monetary decision, uh, uh, as in the sense that I didn't think I could make. In in fact, you know, it it makes sense to understand my background. You know, coming from a, a small little country town or, or, or rural town is probably the best way to put it, um, where no one had any money. So it's not like I felt out of place. But moving to the big city, there was almost this, and this is just for me. This isn't a comment on financial planning. This is much more of a comment on my on, on how it reflects to my background. But to, to answer the question, it I put in so much hard work to figure out how the world worked, right? Like, there was such a huge gap between where I came from and where I had arrived at in terms of owning a financial planning company that I almost felt disappointed in myself that all of what I'd gone through was only going to result in maybe 100 or 200 clients being positively impacted. And I just, it was more of an existential thing for me and it's, I certainly don't recommend it to anyone else, but I I wanted to have a scaled impact on, and that's that led me to go down the path of uh, technology. And and I just I I didn't know what it was going to be when I sold the financial planning firm. I didn't. It's not like I jumped directly across to to become the the now CEO of Ensemble, um, there was there was a bit of a journey. There was still a couple of years that I had to go through to before I'd sort of um, I guess earned the right to take this position. But that that's the answer. The answer was I loved everything I learned and I wanted to have a scalable digital impact. Clay, that's a that's quite a a challenge, right? I've got this book um, Quit by Annie Duke lying here on my desk. And it often comes up to me that these decisions are not easy, you know, saying I'm going to move into something where, yes, they can be scaled and I can potentially have a much bigger impact. In hindsight, what was the kind of parameters that you said for you to know, okay, this was worth me making <laughs> yeah. that move? Was there any or was it just, hey, this this looks great. Let's do it. <laughs> Starting another band. Yeah. Just in a different world. Look, look I, I, and I know, I know, I know you're, You've said it sort of in jest, and it is in jest, but at the same time, I kind of, and and again, this isn't in any way, it, it, put it this way, this is not what I would tell my clients to do if I was, if I was still financial planning. I certainly wouldn't give them this advice. Um, but where I'm from, 
there wasn't really an expectation that I would do anything. So my kind of, I guess for a, a great example of that was I got shown how to fill in a unemployment, you know, form social security before I even was ever told how to apply for a university or, or uh, you know, any kind of education. So where, where I come from, the, 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 the backstop was kind of so, like the bar was so low in terms of what I kind of, even if it wasn't directly expected of myself, but what was culturally almost expected of me, that I had no qualms in giving anything a go. Um, my view was I'd already outrun any potential anchor, um, it maybe is the right terminology to use, that, you know, statistically I could probably do it again. That it was, and, and I must be really clear in the sense that I don't think that that's a smart decision and it's not the kind of thing that I would ever give my advice to either clients or my children for that matter. And I, I definitely must say that the time that I spent between selling my company, my financial planning company, and coming on as the CEO of Ensemble now, there was two years, right, where I just failed continuously. Two and a half years, really. Um, and so the first things that I attempted to do after selling my financial planning business didn't work. In fact, I think it was three years. It was almost like it's almost the lost three years of my career in my mid to late 30s, which are like really important years. And I was struggling to figure out, like I was struggling to make sense of the decisions I'd made to, 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 to give this a shot. Now, right now, almost four years later, I, I'm ecstatic, right? That, that, that I did make that that decision, but and there was certainly no like expectation that that was going to work. And and realistically, I kind of said to my girlfriend at the time, now wife and mother of my child, the children, I said, uh, if I'm ever going to do this, I have to do this now, right? So that was a part of your big question, like what were the parameters? The parameters were, if I'm going to do this, I have to do this now. Like I can't Here's my window. wait. Yes, right. So we're, you know, I, I'm going to have a family to look after, and so if I'm going to do this, I have to do this now. So that was kind of the parameters I kind of gave myself. Well, I turned forty this year. I gave myself two forty to dare I say it, get to the position that I do find myself in now. But yeah, and it's the kind of thing like I don't even really like talking about it because it was super high risk. So far, looks like it was the right decision, but. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. I can see that you've reflected a lot on these yeah. decisions and kind of where it came from and what your defaults are. And I'm curious, how are you applying that to your now two beautiful children with the way yeah. you communicate specifically about big life decisions? Are they, are they still too young yeah. or have you given, I'm sure you've given this some thought, like when when they have to make a decision of like, do we go to university or do we start a business? Like what is yeah. the wise Clayton saying? Ah. Like what pearls of wisdom uh, yeah. will he be delivering? Yeah. So um, it's a great question. Um, I, 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 I'm so unsure of the answer to that question that I would even hazard to try to answer it because, and if you, if you bring it back to financial planning, but like financial planning is about making, it's about, emotionally it, so a financial planner tries well attempts to 
and the job description is to get your client to emotionally feel the decisions that they're going to live in the results of 10 years from now. You're trying to get them to to engage with today. And that is very hard to do, right? Like get someone to, you know, he's 10 years in the future, 20 years, 30 years in the future, right? Care about that, right? And so, um, and so I think, I think the way that it, once you've got that connection with your client and you, you, you've successfully achieved in, you know, getting them to care about things that are super far in the future, it's about making the right decisions, right? So the right decisions are today, tomorrow and, and onwards. And so my gut feel is I would get my kids to do the right decisions. Like, uh, you know, I think, I think there's a lot of value in just diligently doing each day the right thing um to the extent that yeah i i would never um i would never suggest for them to follow a career like i have yeah i think you gave that a great shot and it what comes across is have you thought about these almost i want to say rules like and a lot of it's behavioral finance related right was 100 was that in your mind before you ventured into financial planning or was that a a part that you were drawn more towards, like the emotional side, as opposed to the numbers, given that you were an accountant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, and 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 the appeal to me in financial planning came about because of the accountancy work that I was doing. And but I realized that the limitation of the relationship extended for twelve months. Right, like it's 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 an ongoing transactional twelve month relationship as an accountant. Like I, I, you're you're limited in. The results that you achieve within a, a financial year, and uh, and and, but I realized that money was so emotional, and and that um, that that financial planning dealt with long term into the future rather than looking twelve months in the rearview mirror, and the emotional side of it did provide a lot of positive outcomes for the clients if you were able to do that. I I can't say that I knew all of this. It was really a discovery. And I think this is kind of why, you know, like at, we met because I interviewed you on the podcast many moons ago, right? Because I saw the stuff that you were doing uh, out of out of South Africa. And by no means, I, I, I feel like I was one of many people that were sort of learning the trade um, through, uh, through external resources outside of the immediate sort of um, financial planning. Uh, curriculum, if you want to call it, within within any sort of you know jurisdiction, and and I I I learned I yeah I I kind of did learn how the world works through this behavioral finance, and I think I was probably still young enough, and and it almost sounds like I've even usurped it, and I haven't. Like I still make silly decisions. And I, I think um, I think being a father has made me consider what decisions I've made in the past, probably under a more stricter lens than what I had previously. Yeah, you now have another hat to wear, another role, a super important role, you know, father yeah. of two, and you're the CEO, <clears throat> excuse me, of a tech business. Yeah, I, I'm sure you've had to give up quite a bit when making yeah. decisions around which comes first is it the business or is it the family yeah like how do you weigh up those two um and how do yeah, you fix it when you know the one gets upset with the other one the business gets upset with the family or the family gets upset with the business 
Yeah, it's a great question. And um, so the way that I view business is just future family. Like I, I look at business as this is for the family just in the future, like not today. So I'm, you know, many years ago when, when I was super, um, you know, involved in giving advice with my financial planning company, I ended up writing a book called um, Fund Your Ideal Lifestyle. And in that, like one of the chapters is like a thought for today. And I think the next chapter is like a thought for tomorrow. And so the way that I kind of measure it is my goal is to do really well with my family. So it's kind of like my thought for today. But the truth is, you know, the kids are going to grow up like 20 years from now that they've moved out of home. And uh, what am, what am I doing with my time and, and my life? And, you know, I plan on living for a lot longer post then and, and to have a long-term relationship with my wife. And so I know that achieving what I set out for myself in the professional realm is really healthy for my family as well. So I, I, that, and that's how I kind of communicate it with my wife as well. I love that. Love how you've brought that kind of into, into your family objectives and how it's not just about, you know, my kids and my, my wife, but it's around that well-being and that kind of longevity, um, yeah. having the energy to do these things. Like, do, do you still see yourself 20 years from now, 30 years from now running a tech business? Yes. Yeah, I do. I see myself being 90 years old. I don't want to retire. So um, that's, why I'm, that's why I'm not in a rush as well because I still see that I'm, you know, even though I, I turned 40 this year, I still feel like I'm in at least the first half, maybe even first third of my career. Like I really, I want to do things that, um, allow me to continuously, because think about it, right? Like you would re- reflect on this probably uh, in a very similar way. You probably are better at your job now than you were five years ago. And you're probably delivering more value to your clients than you were five years ago. You're probably able to receive more value in return now than you were five years ago. Why does that have to change? Like, why can't we just continue to extrapolate that out? Like, I, I I enjoy what it is that I do. I want to continue to do it for a long time. I want to get better at it. I want to do a much better job at it. And so one of the things I figured out while I was a financial planner is I never wanted to retire. And uh, yeah, like, like I just will continue to grow. I, I, I think also what really helps is I'm so, like this company right now is so aligned with what my values are. So, I mean- Given the chance, I mean, you never know what's going to happen, of course. But there, in one of the what is it the the multiverse in in one of the timelines, hopefully it's this one. I you know die at ninety five years old, having run the thing the whole time, and it's done really well. Let's I don't know what timeline we're in, but one of those that happens. <laughs> I really hope you're right, and that we're in this timeline together. <laughs> Hell yeah. So now you you said to me that the purpose of this was to scale the impact on advice and to kind of you know move it faster, like allow people to learn from other professions yes. at different areas. Talk to me a little bit about the recent wins of Ensemble. Like there, sure. there's been a lot. I mean, you guys have yeah. a lot of advisors in South Africa on board. You're doing amazing things. And for the people in South Africa, we, we're seeing some glimpses. But talk to me why this is important, like where you are now. Yeah. Well, 
Um, I see Ensemble and even the name change. It's <laughs> we got super lucky with the name change in the sense that Ensemble already feels far more natural than X, Y, and Advisor. Like or, or already, it feels foreign to call it X, Y, but like Ensemble. If you think about an ensemble, it's just, it's an orchestra, right? Like the people at the height of their capabilities working together to create something they can't buy themselves. And so to me, that name is, is it, you know, really resonates with what it is that we're trying to do. But I'm, but, um, I'm, I, I'm not interested in growing an Australian-based financial services tech company. There's, there's nothing unique about Australia that says we need to be the only ones that do this. I think financial planning, there are amazing companies around the world. If you think about next-gen planners in the UK or, or, or XY Planning Network in, in the US, you know, even in South Africa where you are, you've got Francois who's got that podcast, right? Like there, there's already, um, there, there's many people doing amazing things and there's nothing unique about um, Australian advisors, that means we need to restrict the ensemble value that we think that we can bring to the world to to that country. And so, you know, we're, we're very much looking forward to uh, quarter three this year, focusing on launching a dedicated area on the ensemble platform specifically for South Africa. Now, for those following at home, and maybe uh, you guys have been a long-term listeners or, or, or involved in the ecosystem for a while, we did originally try this. But the issue was with it, with technology meant that that someone from South Africa had to go onto the Australian wall of content before then finding sort of the side street where South Africa existed. And that was a horror, like, because it was the only option that we had at the time, we gave it a shot and it just didn't work. And like, I totally get it. I wouldn't want to do it if I was... If, 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 you know, if Ensemble was originally based out of South Africa and as an Australian financial planner, I had to go into the South Africa environment before finding the offshoot for Australia, nah, it would, it would feel disingenuous. And so, um, so what we've done is we've done a fair bit of work and testing out how we can, uh, open up an environment that the home for people in South Africa is the South African home. Now, of course, that they can go on a virtual journey and find Australia but that is outside of their home. Their home will be every time they log on to the application or, or go to Ensemble.com, because of their login, it'll take them directly to South Africa. Now, that's a big difference. Now, all of a sudden, we've got the same environment as the Australian um, uh, space. So, so, yeah, we're very much looking forward to, in South Africa, launching a standalone platform and and. Even once that's done, you know, there's no limitation. We, we want to continue to the UK. We want to go to the US. Um, and once that's done, there's no reason why we need to limit it to financial planning. And, uh, you know, I just imagine a world where people join a profession, they open their phone, they click a button, they, and, and all of a sudden they're home, specific to their profession in, in, in within their regulatory environment uh, in their country. That's, that's what I see happening. What are the conversations that you're seeing that's surprising you on the platform like you saying someone coming in feels like home, yet the conversations with your spouse and with, you know, people in your family are often quite vulnerable, right? It's like, hey, I'm struggling with this. This is the area. Like, are those things popping up? Are advisors starting to open up about their shortcomings and their restrictions? I would say that's always been a function of it. Um, so if you think about, I mean, like the, the tech isn't that different to say LinkedIn, right? 
And when people ask what's Ensemble, I'm like, kind of like LinkedIn for financial planners. And in that it's not a great descriptor, but in terms of how to quickly articulate it. So the technology is massively different from LinkedIn, but the mindset that's curated is like the antithesis of each other, right? So um, in, in, in LinkedIn, you are the expert. You, oh, I am the expert. I am the person you come to to get an answer. I am selling myself and I am here for whatever it is that you need as long as it, you know, it, within the area that I deal with. On Ensemble, it's the complete opposite. So, um, I, you know, uh, it, it is, I'm having issues. I'm having a problem. This doesn't make sense to me. How the hell do I solve this? Are you guys experiencing the same issues? Now, the reason why, even though the technology is so similar, but the conversation set is so different, is because on LinkedIn, on LinkedIn, I want clients. It There is revenue to be had. On Ensemble, there's no client, right? You're not going to get another financial planner to be your client. And so there's, there is the, I mean, because all it's doing is it's taking the private conversations that are happening on text message or email or one-on-one and sort of scaling that out. So how do I get a, you know, how do I get the collective intelligence of an industry to answer a question? Now, we're also not the first people to do this. Um, there's Stack Overflow in the developer space. There's Doximity in the doc, in in the medical space, and um, and the idea that you that an environment is something you have to apply for and be accepted into, although it's free, is restricted in the sense that we're making sure that only relevant people are there. It uh, it allows for um, really just accelerated you know, 10,000 hours to mastery rule. Like everyone's there just to get better. That analogy of the stack overflow for financial services, like it just brought to mind this picture where someone can go in and like, hey, can I use this part of a financial plan? And yeah. can, I, can I use this piece? And, and now it becomes collaborative, right? And we're moving yes. things forward because people are contributing and they're saying, hey, this, this old way of doing it is broken. It's not, it's not working anymore. Well, the beauty about financial planning is pretty much globally, there's an undersupply. So your neighbor isn't your competitor. And so, um, and so, yeah, very much so. There are hundreds of documents that advisors have built that is on the platform for you to download for free, to use today, to edit and use. And, and it's very, yeah, like that concept of um, Stack Overflow. For those that understand what that is, it, yeah, there's more alignment with that uh, platform than pretty much anything else. Is this the thing that you needed when you built your business? Like, how would this have changed oh, Clayton yeah. starting? Or what, was your, what was your financial planning business called? Hillross Silverstone. Um, and um, Hillross was the license. In Australia, we sort of have these uh, cohorts of advisors, and they're called a license. And my license was called Hillross. And for whatever reason, you had to stick the word Hillross in your name. Uh, so... It was. It was Who meant to be. Then? Sounds like a, a, a very famous actor. <laughs> Which one? I don't know. They're just the oh, name. Right. The oh, right. Silverstone. Yes. Yes. Like yes. A... yes. Oh, right, right, right. No, it does. It does have that uh, Stratton Oakmont uh, <laughs> sort of element about it, which, uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't particularly enjoy. What well, I, I was originally going to call it Silverstone Wealth Design. That was the name of the company that I wanted. But then when I joined this cohort and. For better or for worse, at the time, it was certainly seen as sort of a, a good cohort to be a part of, but you had to put the word Hill Ross in your name. So I was, 
I went from Hill Ross Silverstone, sorry, Silverstone Wealth Design into Hill Ross Silverstone. So, um, well, is Ensemble the piece that was missing for you starting out that, oh, that business? Yes. Like, well, with this advice. So. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. It was really like, you know, how do we build? Well, yeah, we built it so, for exactly that purpose. And I mean, it's it's not rocket science, right? Like, if you get a bunch of people together who all want to get better at the same thing, there's going to be others that, that are trying to get good at that same thing. And, and so, yes, undoubtedly, had I, but the, also the crazy thing is that, I mean, if I had a practice still to this day, I'd still be using it. So, um, you know, it, it, it's not necessarily just for people who, who are trying to get that first 10,000 hours. It's also for those that are doing the second or the third or the fourth 10,000 hours. Like, the idea is that um, there is there's something because it's not for everyone. It's very specific. If you're a financial planner, there should be something there. And if there's not, there's a space for you to create it as well. Like, ask the question. Clayton, how do we create a bridge between these countries? Because we have America, we have the UK, we have South Africa, we have Australia, all operating fairly similar, doing things similarly. Yet, it's yeah. still different. Like, how how are you figuring out this bridge within Ensemble? Yeah, so we do a lot of work, and it's super chic, chic and in vogue right now. Um, but we do a lot of work with AI, so behind the scenes. So we've been working with AI for over twelve months, and um, so you know, long before Chat GPT uh, joined the lexicon. Um, now, the reason why we've been working with AI is because we want to understand what conversations are going on. Because ultimately, our business model is once those problems are being discussed. We, you know, strip out the, the 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 names of the people and and sort of there's very little value in one person saying something. But if a hundred people say something, it kind of becomes valuable. And it's, it's not the individuals that matter in the sense it's the volume of people that matter. And so, so our goal is to you know understand everything that's being talked about. And so rather than those problems flying off into the ether and maybe being solved for it for for the handful of advisors that are discussing it, plus the thousands that are viewing it. Like, how do we kind of grab that and extrapolate it and turn it into research as the premise of an issue that we can then do more research into and sort of pay people that are specialists in this area to create content around it? So in each individual um, each individual country, there is two elements of what is being discussed. One is universal in nature in the sense that, you know, how do I speak about cash flow? Right, and one is super regulatory in nature. So on your on your on your side of the uh, the, the Indian Ocean, uh, it it is uh, it's the topics are going to be slightly different in terms of rules and regulations compared to what's going on here. And so we're dealing with AI because we want to understand the difference between something that's regulatory in nature or universal in nature, and and in terms of bridging that gap. You know, before I mentioned that there's 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 going to be shortly two walls on our uh, on our platform, one specifically for South Africa and one specifically for Australia. At a certain stage, and I don't know when this is going to occur, but at a certain stage, our AI will get to a point where it will be able to identify if the conversation set is relevant to a geographic location or not, and if it's not then we can share it internationally. If it's relevant for a Jamaican uh, financial planner, as it is a Canadian financial planner or an Irish financial planner, then uh, then everyone should know about it. But if it's relevant to a particular regulatory geographical location, 
then we'll quarantine it specifically to that environment. Um, so that's kind of, I, I believe, how we will be able to, to bridge is to, to make some conversation universal and some conversation specific. Uh, Clayton, how interested are the associations, so the Financial Planning Standards Boards and mm. the Financial yeah. Planning Associations, how interested are they in being included in these conversations? Because I can imagine these are the people that are you know, figuring out the rules and the frameworks yeah. for the future, yet they struggle to get people to fill in a 45-minute questionnaire, which totally. <laughs> I must admit I just stopped doing halfway. Um, <laughs> yeah, so they must, they must be loving this because – yeah. You know, it's, it can really fuel and, and help add value to those memberships. Absolutely. Um, so we've we've had a, a lot of chats with, with the teams. I mean, at, for right now, they're just glad that we're doing it. I think in the future, it'll make sense to, to work with them closer, for sure. Yeah, so I am excited um, about what opportunities reveal themselves in, in, in regards to working with them potentially in the future. Um, but I think we're on the same path. We're just trying to both drive the positive evolution of financial advice. And, uh, and I think the fact that Ensemble exists and is doing that um, should as well attract you know, talent into the industry. I, like, the, one of the major issues with financial planning, if not the major issue with financial planning, is the fact that it's not a career path that people set out to achieve. It's something that somewhere along the line that they stumble upon and are drawn to it. Um, you know, investment banking, everyone, you know, the, the people that are scoring well at university know what they're doing when they're getting into it. Management consulting. This is another career part, accounting, law, right? Like there are people set out to achieve a certain thing with their career. And yet financial planning doesn't currently have a hat in the ring. Um, I think we can do a lot to change that as well. I must share with you. I did a presentation at one of the universities in South Africa recently, and I asked the the class, how many of you have actually sat in a meeting with a financial planner? And it was about two or three people in the class. <laughs> and so I hope for this to change where people say, hey, I'm coming into this profession because my parents worked with a financial planner, because I saw this experience and a change and, and they were the bridge between what Clayton so beautifully said, the emotional and the rational. Yeah, no, me too. I, honestly, I think uh, I, we can use the Ensemble platform to um, to bring in high-quality candidates from a, from a relatively young age into the profession. Now, that doesn't mean we just open up the floodgates to, to them having conversations on the same in the same area, that we still need to make sure that that's relevant. But yeah, we're I got some ideas. Again, I, I'm in the first third of my career. I got a while to get this happening, but uh, I'm pretty sure we'll make it happen. Thank you, Clayton, for joining me today. It's been wonderful to have you as a guest. I look forward to meeting you in person for an event in the future and building out the South African ensemble advice together. Bye for now.